So let's get into a little bit about short-term rentals here. We'll, we'll talk about some of the new trends and some of the different things with that. Uh, the big thing right now that's going on in a lot of areas is legality. So there's three major things we consider, which are on the on the board right there. Legal, right? Seasonality and attractions and tourism. Why would somebody go to that area? Question I get asked all the time is, Hugh, is this area a good place to invest in short-term rentals? You know what I say? Maybe. Because I have no idea. Not the one doing the market research. Unless I own a property there and I've already done market research, I'm not the one doing the market research. I'm not the one researching these things. But this is what you're going to go do. And the legal situation changed a lot in 2023 and 2024 in different markets, right? So you need to stay understanding that. You need to know what the state is, the, the, right? the state level, your county level, your city level, all the way down to your HOA or POA. It's homeowners associations or property owners associations. Right? They all can have different laws. Who collects the taxes? Because when you get into short-term rentals, oftentimes it gets into the occupancy tax like hotels. It's the website collecting it. It's, are you responsible for paying it? Because you got to add that into your numbers. As we were starting this, I know there was a glamping conversation over here. I had to get a new cleaner into a property just as we were hooking up our computers, right? So we were able to do that. The one good thing about this business is that you can run it remotely, right? I'll show you guys that. But you need to know these things because we had properties about a mile and a half apart. One could do only weekly rentals and one could do daily rentals. We're only a mile and a half apart. Well, there's different laws. So you need to know that. A lot of this is, you know, your, your friendly Google search. But there's some extreme cases that came up at the beginning of this year. Okay. On, on the different things with the different laws. Right? Seasonality. What's the, the high season? What's the low season? When will you get your highest rates? When will you get your lower rates? I don't want to be the highest in the highest season and I don't want to be the lowest in the lowest season, but I want to make sure I'm full. So there's things that you got to do. Um, any Georgia Bulldog fans? Yeah, we got a couple of Georgia Bulldog fans. So <laughs> Athens, Georgia there, right? That's a huge town. Yeah, huge city, right? It's huge. So huge. No, it's not huge, right? It's only huge on a football weekend. <laughs> Uh, everybody goes there, right? Yeah. On a football weekend. I know we rented, we came down for a Notre Dame uh, a couple years ago, pre-COVID. It was just pre-COVID. We came down for the Notre Dame, Georgia game. And so we rented a place. We, I'm sure the amount we paid for that weekend, we paid this guy's mortgage for like six months. Then he moved out to the trailer on the back end of his property, right? Like he had like all the CDs and DVDs, like filling up a room. But you know, everybody's into their thing. Are you here for real estate? Okay. Um, 
So yeah, but you know what? All we got to do is rent this property like six, you know, five football games a year, not even the whole season. He probably pays his bill. Non-football weekends, I'm sure if you rented, it'd be a lot lower. So you got to just understand what's that drive to your market, right? And then the attraction, why somebody coming there? I get all the time, should I do it by Orlando and Disney? Maybe, but do you think there's a lot of hotels already doing that? You know, it's a, a lot of people are doing now is they're, they're taking their timeshares and they're listing them on Airbnb. So, when they're not using But, you know, and if you're, you know, five miles from Disney, probably should not be advertising that you should not lead with Disney. Maybe you lead with the golf course. Maybe you lead with, you know, SeaWorld or another park if you're not as close as other people. So just understanding the reason why. Uh, some big reasons are military bases. Right? Colleges, like we talked about, graduate. Most colleges, they purposely do not provide enough housing for all their students. What do I think about VA hospitals for what? In that area, in the area where surgery and family may have stayed voluntarily. So I'll, I'll answer it in a more general way. Medical tourism is a big one. All right. People will, you know, in New York City, we got some big hospitals. So people are, you know, hey, this person's going in for surgery. I need to stay nearby. Or have it, uh, I got an inquiry just the other day for somebody that's going in for a kidney transplant. Like they're donating their kidney to somebody else. And you can place to stay for, like you said, an extended period of time. They, need, they won't be in the hospital, but they need to be near one. I mean, one of the biggest reasons people are traveling internationally right now is medical tours. So, so yeah, again, but you just have to run the numbers and you have to see if it makes sense. If I say, I'll say maybe the most of the stuff, because unless I know, the, you know, unless you're like, here's the analysis, then it's hard to say. But yes, people are traveling for medical. You know, uh, I didn't realize this, but Omaha, Nebraska is a huge medical center now for for people come from all around the area, right? That's where all the, the five top hospitals are. So, yes, if you have something in, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, that's one of the areas, right, that people are hitting. And, that, and you'll know that, that niche of that market wherever you have it. Right? Good. Other questions, thoughts? Lakefront? Potentially. Lakefront. Um, Lakefront. Anything on the water gets more expensive. I mean, I like waterfront property. That's typically what I buy. You know, when the dolphin can swim under my feet, you know, while I'm uh, chilling at my Airbnb or, or my rental property, I, I don't mind that. Um, but yeah, I mean, those, those obviously, now are you going to you know, I'm talking to some people right now that I'm coaching. Are they, they, they want to die. Are they going to allow the people to bring a boat, not bring a boat, all the different things, right? So, yes. But again, it's based on the numbers. Can you cash flow it at that? You do that. I mean, I come from, I don't know what you guys have here, but we have the Hamptons and we have the Jersey Shore. 
or you guys have heard of those two places, whether, you know, it's the, the show, the Jersey Shore and the Hamptons being right, what they are, that people always buy properties down there. They'll rent those on the Airbnb, those types of things. But you get into like huge, I mean, the Hamptons and the Jersey Shore have been doing this well before Airbnb even started, right? Yeah. Maybe the summer rentals people coming out in New York City and stuff. So yeah, I mean, those are great opportunities. It's just, but, you know, flood insurance got so expensive now. Flood insurance has gone through the roof. So now you have to buy the right property with those things or not have a bank loan and then just allow it to flood because some people are not paying their insurance now. Not, it's not me giving you advice on what you should or should not do. I have heard. People are not paying their flood insurance now and they'd rather just have it come in flood and then they'll take the sheetrock out. They'll do the mode remediation. But if I'm paying 10 grand for flood insurance and it costs me 8,000 to, <coughs> to fix the property when it's done or it takes me 20,000 to fix it, I take two years of flood insurance. I put that in a bank account. Now, will most Americans take the two years of not paying that bill and put it into a bank account? Heck no, they'll just spend it and be like, oh, we got the So I deal in the reality of the world, not the, right? So that's just how it is. But yes, you could do that. That would keep your costs out. But you can't do that if you have a mortgage through a traditional bank or your lender requires that. So now you're in violation and they can call your mortgage due. So there are a couple of big cases that happened this year. So we'll start out in California. Uh, there was somebody that was staying in somebody's, you know, Rodeo Drive guest house, that little house out there. That's the big mansion on top, right in Beverly Hills. And they went off platform. And off platform means you're not booking through Airbnb. You're doing direct bookings, whatever it happens to be. I think they'd originally, originally booked through the original through Airbnb and then said, oh, I need more time. Would you just take the money on the side? And I said, yes. So she's been living there for about, I think it was like two or three years. <laughs> and uh, she owed over 50K in back rent. And she asked for $100,000 to move out. Yes. 100K to move out. He pays her $100,000. You want me out of your property? Otherwise, it's going to take you three years to go through the court system. Because, because now I'm a tenant. And you've done off platform and we don't really have a lease. And then she already owed $50,000 in back rent and started going through court. Then this whole big case it did get settled. Um, but yeah. All right. She didn't pay during COVID. The whole thing was, oh, she couldn't pay during COVID. Then all of a sudden, you know, then she didn't want to move and then found out how much it would cost them in attorney fees to go through the whole process. So she commanded 100K. You can Google it. It's out there. It's a true story. It's all over the news for the longest period of time. So like, oftentimes people ask me to go off platform. I'm like, no, I stay on platform because then it's a short term. You don't have any rights to the property. You don't have any other things, right? It's not me doing this. So, you know. Then New York changed their laws, so there was over fourteen thousand Airbnb listings, and they were from ten thousand to forty thousand, depending on who you went with. 
and they made everybody apply for to be approved. Well, I don't know why if people were fighting the law. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But the hotel industry is pretty strong. Can we agree on that? Oh, yeah. They got a lot of lobbyists and they got a lot of people and they were lobbying for about 10 years to get this law passed. And so in like January, it was supposed to go into effect in like February of 2024 or 2023, sorry, 2023. Supposed to go into effect in like February 2023. They appealed it. They pushed it to May. They pushed it, they kept getting pushed back to like July. And then they said, okay, September, uh, Labor Day. They said it's going to go into effect. Well, apparently I was only one of 300 people that were approved. Went from 14,000 to 20,000 down to 300 listings. So that's why we did the Spartan Airbnb. <laughs> right? Uh, Spartan 300. What the articles had said, because nobody applied for their licenses, right? They didn't follow out the paperwork, right? And uh, yeah, one day, all the listings disappeared. The homeowner could the owner could get fined a thousand dollars, but the bigger kicker in the legislation was that the website would get fined five hundred dollars a day per listing. That did not meet the requirements. So they knew that this time the government was smart. They knew if it was just the homeowner didn't find the websites didn't care. But if you put a penalty in for the websites as well that hadn't verified this. So yeah, they all got turned off that day. The, all these articles in September and all those things about that. September, October, as people were figuring that out. Right? Well, of course, government doesn't do anything fast. So when everybody applied on that last day, it took a really long time for all those other people to finally get their approvals, right? question did they a premium? yes so the question was did it make my list in a premium yeah all the competition disappeared yes <laughs> and and unfortunately it was bad for some people because it was like you had booked it now you're booked in it's refunded you might be coming next week uh, law change refund you don't have a place to stay what are you going to do and that's a crazy law it's like it must be it has to be the owner must be present and you can have a maximum of two people. Whoa. And an A class and an A class building. So there are a lot and the people that really got hurt the most, in my opinion. Now look, some people were stupid in New York, like Atlanta, where they're using um government subsidized housing yeah. and re-renting that on on short-term rental sites. That's really what the government's doing. You know, if you're getting, uh, there are people that, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, we have what's called rent control. So that means your rent is like pretty well fixed. So you can have a property in a, in a you know, worth $5 million, but you're paying like $1,000 a month to be there and you're overlooking Central Park, which is the most expensive real estate in the world. And, um, and you're only paying $1,000 a month for like a, 3,000 square foot apart because it's grandfathered in like that. People literally like sneak their, their, their kids in and like pass it down. And somebody's lived there for two years, like there's all these things. Right. And now they're renting that out on air. So of course they're going to be, you know, everybody's pissed off at that. 
But then you have the seniors, right? And a lot of seniors that are empty nesters who are renting out part of their properties to help cover their bills. Those are the people that I felt got hurt the most on this. Because A, they're not that most savvy on the laws and things like that. B, it's good for them, right? So it's better than putting somebody in a home is to, have, is to allow them to take care of millennials for a night. You know, because they've got somebody there that wants to talk to them, wants to make them breakfast, will listen to their stories, right? Keep them, keep them going. So that's that second income for them to keep their properties. So, so yeah, like these things are happening. And a lot of these went down in 2023, but you know, 2024, we're, we're continuing to see some of the ramifications, some of the things. A lot of people are blaming the uh, short-term rental housing for not having enough rent, uh, traditional rental properties for people in the area or homes, different markets. Here, it's a little different because you guys don't have, um, what's what to say? You guys don't really have borders that are like mountains or rivers or or oceans or things like that where space is finite, right? And then if you keep growing and growing and growing okay. and sprawl, yeah. Dallas can keep growing and growing and growing and sprawl. San Francisco, LA, New York, Miami, they hit boundaries, they hit yeah. water. Can't make more land, can't spread more, right? So that's where a lot of that comes into play, less so in different markets that don't have those same boundaries. So when you've got those harder boundaries on cities, can only grow in certain directions. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's for the housing to be closer and oftentimes more expensive because the closer you are to the city side. Okay, good. Questions on this? Question regarding where investors who move money are looking to, and the trends in the Southeast region, it seems as if the global investment market is looking for stuff in the Southeast region. Um, so then does that pose an extra burden on us who are small business folks to, like you say, know the law, know the deal, understand, when, you, when we may not have the resource to do that kind of research as quick. All right, so Asher, you asked like three different questions. so. Give me one at a time. Okay, the first one is not having the resource to do the kind of research and move as fast as uh, a conglomerate. Uh, how do we deal with that being a small business owner or a small business effort? Okay, so the question is, how being a small business owner can I compete with the yeah. big dogs? And what resources can I use or use? Right? Yeah. So the problem with being really big is you move slow. The problem with being small is you may not have access to as much capital. True? Right. But you can move much faster. Okay. Right? So the big they can get access to money fast, but they're slow movers. Okay. Right? You, you can be fast and agile, but you may not have access to the resources. So now it's like filling that gap for you. Okay. Right? Whatever your gap is, is finding those resources. So if you need access to more capital... That you have to start building those relationships. What does it take? What type of deals would you invest in? Right? Go to those types of meetings, the opposite of the wholesaling meeting. 
right? The big companies are looking for those wholesalers. Just bring me the deals, I'll buy them. Bring me the door deals, I'll buy them. Bring me the deals, I'll buy them. Right? So you've got you know access to the education. You've got access to software that we use internally. Right. Uh, you got resources within the community. I don't know if you're part of the community. Are you part of the community right. or not? Yeah. So like using your software, right? Use going through your classes, going through those things to gain that knowledge, and then attending meetings so you build the relationships. Not only in the community, but outside the community as well. Right? Because it's a combination of inside and outside that you want to build that relationship. You don't want to pigeon yourself any which way. But you can move faster. And because you guys are actually local, you're going to know inside information. And you're going to know inside information. You're going to know somebody's, you're driving by the houses. You're doing those things. You're going to know. You know, you're going to go to, see, the problem is most of you guys have access to deals, but you just don't know it. You don't know the questions to ask, and you don't see the opportunity. I guys are not in your head, but you know what I mean by that? Okay. Is that the Celsius? Hi, Grandma. Oh, I thought you were this. I thought you were running around. Might be <laughs> All right. Um, so let me ask you guys this. I'm, and, I'll, and I'll use this is a great analogy that I, I learned from somebody else. So you got most of you guys drove here today, true? Yeah. Okay. Uh, most of you guys are from Vegas, so you drove. If I'm in New York, they didn't drive. That's all right. Some of you guys are at home. So how many red cars did you drive by today? I have no idea. Did you drive by at least one? Uh, maybe, maybe two. Please. Can we say it was at least one? Yeah. yeah. Couple. I got one, two. What do you guys think the numbers around? Between one and seven. One and seven? Five? Some saying it's five. What do you guys say online? How many you drive by? How many red cars did you drive by? We got five. So we got pretty good senses of about five. Yeah. Why didn't you register that you drove by red cars today? Wasn't looking for it, wasn't paying attention. You weren't looking for the opportunity? Okay. So we get 2 million data points that go past our eyes. Consistent. Right? Throughout a normal day. 2 million data points. Your brain can only process a certain number of them. Because it wasn't looking for red cars, guess what? It didn't see the opportunities. Drive home today, but yes, <laughs> you might start counting a few red cars. Why? Because I just did this. I just planted it that you should look for the red cars. So now, um, what I want you guys to do on the drive home is, you know, text Michael, text Gamer, text whoever, and tell them how many red cars you drove by on the red ride home on the ride home, because you're going to see now the opportunities. Oftentimes, you guys have an opportunity to buy a real estate deal or learn about an inside information on a real estate deal. You just don't see it. You just don't see it. And so part of this is opening your eyes to see that. Because you're here today, you start to see more opportunities. You start to see things where you may not have seen them before. And it's just because you've been made aware of it. It's called our reticular activation system. 
R-A-S. In a Tony Robbins event, he'll explain exactly what that is, but particular activation system means we've activated your brain to now look for this opportunity. So if you're like, I need access to more capital, you're gonna start to go, hey brain, let's listen in on these conversations better to get more access to capital. All right, and somebody will make a comment and you're gonna pick up on that comment now that you wouldn't have before. All right. So how many of you guys have been, or, and ladies have been to light a party and somebody's like, oh, you know, poor Bob's got to sell his house or he's going through a divorce or Jane's going through a divorce. Anybody been to those? What do you say? Oh, so sorry, right? Sorry about that. Guess what? That was a red car. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. You know, you know, I, I know some people that could potentially help them get the most value for that property. That'd be something they'd be interested in, you think? Yeah, okay. You think you could connect us and, and then I could talk to them? Hmm. That was a red car. Hey, man, you know, if I... I invested in this thing. It's not going so well. You know, I got to find new things to start investing. Ah, oh, sorry. You know, sorry that company went bankrupt on you. Red car. They have money. Want to put it somewhere. You didn't register that as part of that conversation. All right. So there are opportunities all the time that are going by you. It's just not activating your brain. So I say this, the conversation, and you can go, oh, yeah. That's happened. Yeah, but you didn't recognize it as an opportunity. How many of you guys are going back through your brain, going through different conversations right now? Going, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, dear, let, let's take a 10-minute break. Um, so I know we got a little bit of a late start. We'll come back for another, like, 20 minutes, and we'll send you off to lunch, and then we'll come back, and I will walk you through the deal where they were going to buy it. I'd probably do this after lunch, but uh, for $250,000, they accepted two thirty-five dollars after they said yes. All right. So we'll take a bathroom break. If you guys online got any questions, let us know. Let us know how it's going on the tech side. And uh, we'll come right back. 12-12. Don't be late. Okay. I know. Go yeah, so that's why I was in the 
It's all about relationships, Michael said you guys needed somebody and what happened. Yeah. Uh, is that your friend? Yeah. 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 I'm from there. Oh, all right. Welcome, I'm Hugh. My name's here for Dean. My brother played for George. Too. Oh, congratulations. My brother, my brother, I did. My brother played. He was on that maybe three years. Okay. It's all about George for it all. Yeah? All good? Uh, I'm, tired seeing, I'm tired of seeing the real estate just going for my food. Guys, jump in. Got to do it. Thanks for pointing out how critical those relationships are. You know, I can numbers and financing and data. Yeah.
into our next phase of the conversation about how it is that we can take all of this information and actually apply it, how we can go out there and not just theorize about what's possible in real estate and talk about what so-and-so is doing or what so-and-so has accomplished, but actually take that information, take this stuff that Hugh Zaretsky has been uh, pouring all over us this morning and then putting it into a functional, usable uh, tool that we can go out and get these deals. We can go out and know exactly what we're going to say and how we're going to take these deals down so that we can change direction of our lives. That's the whole point of being here, right? Yeah. So without any further ado, I will welcome Mr. Hughes Retsky back to the front of the room. Sorry about that. We're doing like four things at once. Um, cool. Any questions, thoughts from earlier? Well, you, one of the things we're doing here is we're building. Who's we? We, as in the stakeholders in this room, particularly. Okay. So, so. Fill me in. Who are the stakeholders? So when you say stakeholders, what does that mean? Yeah. We've got neighborhood leaders, community leaders, faith leaders, small business leaders, people who are part of Renatas, and then there's those of us who are new, but we're all committed to that there's a conversation emerging and we're building something. We're not just coming just to get points to make money. We're building something here, and then we're in the southeast region. So what's the trend? How do we link up with it? And that the whole relationship phenomenon that we're now make available is critical for us. So, so that's again multifaceted. So let, let me let me break this down for a second. Obviously, this is a a newish, yeah, a newish group because it's oldish but newish, but transitioning here. So, who are the stakeholders here? Raise your hands. Oh, are you guys raising your hand? I don't, yeah. I get this, I get this. I'm like, you know, is this a reason I hand? I don't know, like, like, are we really part of this? I don't know. Michael said I had to be here. Like I sort of got drafted into this. What are we doing? And for you guys across the country too, if you're a stakeholder, just type in S in, right? So in my opinion, what a stakeholder is, so, so I'm clear, because there's different definitions. Another training we do is everybody has a different definition of a word. Right. So in my opinion, if you're a stakeholder here, that means you're contributing to the office financially and or with your time. Right. And you've made that commitment. Maybe you signed an agreement for the year that you're going to go ahead and do this as sort of you know, and want move towards leadership. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So getting like weird nods, like <laughs> not like, yeah. <laughs> so how many people are part of that? Just so I know. All right, so there's a lot more of you. When I said that, look how I defined it. All of a sudden, there's like, whoa, that's me. Or was like, okay, <laughs> cool. All right, so now I understand who the stakeholders are. Now, what is it that you, your question is? Question is, given your relationship to tracking trends, and here we're in the Southeast region, where a lot is available, a lot is coming. When you say a lot is available and a lot is coming, what does that mean? Four things. One is um, investment capital is coming. People are beginning. So that's outside. Yeah. So my you you asked a question about the stakeholders here. Yeah. 
and about building relationships. Yes. So is it within the stakeholders or is that within the Renatus community? Is that within what? Because we can't do it, we can't do it global. Everybody from the world wants to come to Atlanta, so they're gonna come through us. So with the Renatus offering of relationship building and small business development, those two things, how do we leverage ourselves? How do we relate to that? How do we look at it? Like the red car thing. Oh, that's what's available, huh? So how do we begin to develop a powerful relationship with that? Those two things. Okay. Can I answer this in so many ways. Um, Good. Well, the real answer is it depends on you. Okay. 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 So, and, and I'll just speak from my personal experience. I can fix things, but I'm not a contractor. So I'm not gonna go install something super crazy. I'll build the Ikea cabinets or whatever on my rental properties, right? So I do a thing that's that's really called stay in your lane. Okay. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. Uh, can you grab me those shirts back there for a second that are laid out? And, and, I'll, and I'll use this as a perfect example. Okay. I am, when I run an investor boot camp, I am not a good chef. I am not somebody that makes swag. Okay. Right. This is not, you say Hugo designed this shirt, come up with the sayings on it. That's not me. Hey, this looks better. That color is better. Whatever it is. Right. When we launched a book. Right. Somebody came out, if you see the, the cover of the book, you see this, they're like, boom, here you go. I go, I want a shirt. So my question for you is, what's the skill that you're good at? And that's what you leverage, right? We do another training. And what you, a lot of your questions are very fuzzy to me. Okay. <laughs> so we fear the fuzzy. Yeah. When you're fuzzy, I don't know what you're asking, so and I don't think. Um, so I stay in my lane. And for a lot of people, you need people try to get out of their lane. Gamer's a little out of his lane today. Do you agree? <laughs> Figuring out tech, like not his forte. Can he learn it? Yes. Does he know enough? Yes. When we're doing the computer, all the things, even I don't know some of the things that I've been running events for a long time and I know lots of things, but there's certain things I don't know, so I stay in my lane. So build off what you're good at. Okay, build off what you're good at to build the relationships. Find people that are similar to you. Just guess who you're going to relate to. Similar to you. You're a person that goes to church every Sunday and it's God, 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 God. You're going to relate better to those types of people than somebody that's like, I don't believe in the God. But now let's do business together. If you're the person that doesn't believe in the God, go find those people. Right? Whatever... The things you like to do, you're going to relate better to. 
Does that make sense? And you're going to build deeper, faster relationships. So leverage what you're good at to find business owners, entrepreneurs that have this, that are good at the same things. All right. Um, all right. Yeah. So, and also know the people you don't want to work with. This is a bigger one. This is the one that's going to save you hundreds and thousands of hours. Know the people you don't want to work with. Know the characteristics of those people. Because those are the ones that are going to be your pain in the arse. Those are the ones that you're going to be like, let's go here. And they're going to be like, well, what about over here? They're the ones that are going to give you all the pushback. And sometimes the squeaky wheel gets all the information. And it pulls away from your building of the group. Okay. It's better to cut people off that aren't growing with you than to try and pull them along. There's a saying I said, you know, if you've ever been a sailor, anything to do with boats, you know you can't push a rope. Can't push a rope. A lot of people try and push the rope. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And they're like, I don't even want to do it. And you spend all your time chasing those people instead of building the, the higher level relationships. I just launched a new platform. Told people for $7 a month, they can get on it. Two trainings a week, $7 a month. Some people jump right on it. Some people got a whole bunch of questions. You got a whole bunch of questions? Not worth it. Hey, how do I use it? Great, there's a tutorial in there, go through it. Wait, where do I find this? Go to the tutorial. Where do I find this? Go to the tutorial. Go to the tutorial. Oh, maybe you shouldn't be on the platform. Because I am not everybody's cup of tea. I'll tell you how it is, whether you like it or not. Don't do it to hurt your feelings. Tell it you to do it because it'll make you better. You then make the judgment. But I've been with people 10, 15, 20 years they've been working with. They know they will quit before I quit. But I tell everybody, you will quit before I quit. Showed you that picture. Day one, Renata's Pat. Only still five of us in the company. You will quit before I quit. I've been in this long before even Renata's was born. 2005. I've been in this 17, 18 years. I'm not quitting. But can't handle me telling you the truth. And it's the truth. You're the one that puts an opinion. Like, hey, you got to do this better. You're like, you're so mean. You told me how to do that. I said, no, this is what you need to do better. And most of the time, you know you need to do it better. You just don't want to admit it. But most of your friends are like, it's okay. Don't work on that. Stay where you are. I'm like, no, if you want to get here, you got to do this. You got to change. Some people can handle that. Some people need the hug all the time. I'm not the hugger all the time. I'll give you the hug when you do something well. But you just do something and people are like, hey, I sent the email. I'm like, cool. <laughs> like that. Come on. Right? I just tell them. I'm like, cool, you sent the email. I don't give you a gold. I don't give you. I'm not the teacher in school that gives you a sticker because you sent an email. 
that, that's not my personality. I expect you to send with me. I expect you to do that. I expect a certain standard. If you're not going to meet my standard. I don't want to work with you. Which is fine. Because it saves me time. you got to set your standard. That answer your question? Yes, it does. Very long answer to a very long question, but it's okay. All right, good. Well, any other questions? Well, here's the key. You guys do things really, really well. But oftentimes you focus on the negative things you don't do well. That's that voice in your head. Right? That's that negative voice. If you, we turn that negative voice up so that everybody else would hear it, you'd be so embarrassed about what it says about you. About all your failures. You know why? It knows all your weaknesses. It knows all your pain points. Keeps telling you you're not good enough to do something. You're not there. Blah, 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 blah. You would never say that to somebody else. But we got to grow. Part of being here today is growing out of that lobster shop. When I launched that new platform, that's growth. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know. I've been going from platform to platform for three years. I think I finally found a good one. All right. Got 59 messages going through it in like four days. People are starting to take it, go through it, make it happen. So find the people that you like and that like the same things you do. You got a question? So say that again. No, well, so so let's twist that because uh, so he said find the let me see if I wait, let's see if I heard it correctly. You said, you said I said, find the people that are going to challenge you that you don't want to work with. Okay, that you don't want to work with, to challenge you, and that you don't want to work with, and if it's not working, cut it off. That so that's a different interpretation than what I meant. So maybe I was fuzzy. So let me clarify. What I said was, know the people that you don't want to work with, like characteristics. Maybe they don't ever respond to your email. Maybe they say they're going to meet you and they blow you off three times. And then cut them off. Don't chase them. But find the people that will challenge you that aren't going to be like give you a sticker for sending an email that they're going to challenge you to push you to a higher level. Those are the people that you want to work. With. And those are the people that you want to follow, the people that are going to challenge you, right? Versus, right, um, find people that are just going to be like, oh, whatever you're doing, it's good enough. Any therapist here? So I really respect the therapy industry, but what I don't respect about the therapy industry is like you go to therapy, they're like, tell me your problems, you tell them the problems and they go, so how do you think you should fix that? <laughs> right? And I'm like, they should give you some suggestions on how to do that. They should be like, well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Like, let's move you in those directions, right? Um, 
So I had a good therapist and a really good therapist will do that. They're like, oh, that sounds like this. Go read this book. And I read the book and I was like, boom, that solved the problem with one of my past relationships, right? Boom, like that. I done a five therapist. I've done the sessions for a while dealing with this one relationship. And they're all like, well, how do you think that feels? How does that make you feel? Like, I told you that I need to be a solution. Like, lead me down a path. So the people that challenge you are going to lead you down a path. You may not know what the path is, but you do it. And I also, so I gave you one of my golden rules before, which is the 70, 80%. Number two, this is a golden rule for life. Life lessons. If somebody that's where you want to be tells you to do something, go do it without friction. Make it what's called a frictionless process. You know what the problem with most people are? Why should I do that? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? You're making a friction. I don't want to work with you. Because half the time when you go do the thing, you figure out why they were doing it. Or do the thing and go, why do you have me do this? And then they'll explain it to you because you took the action. But wealthy people, millionaires and billionaires, are not going to spend all their time explaining you to why to go do something. They're like, if you want to get better, go do this. Here's how you do it. Go do it. You're like, well, what am I going to do that? What about this? You ask them 100 questions. They don't want to work with you anymore. Well, is their time is valuable. You go do it. You learn the lesson. And then you can come back with advanced questions. They'll answer those. That's what I've always done. The reason I became the number five speaker in that company. Right. Remember I told you. I started at the bottom, went through that crazy HR interview to there. Because when I got with the number one sale, the number one team that was selling hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars of product in a weekend, I just did what they said. And I made them money. Because I made the money just what they wanted to do for me. I got paid zero. They made like six grand because I helped them do something. Guess what, who they wanted to work with the next weekend? Me. I was free labor for them. But guess what I got out of it? Knowledge. They told me to do something. I did. No questions asked. Except for one time. <laughs> the one time went like this, and I'll explain why. Like, I was there to learn how to become a professional speaker. Like, you guys are here to learn how to become real estate investors and take it to the next level and all those things. And at one point, there was a... At the end of the session, at the end of their training, like they spoke for eight hours a day and then we got up and gave a presentation. There was another guy in training there and he was going to get up and they're like, Hugh Lee. I was like, why? They're like, Hugh Lee, go. Go back to your hotel room. We'll call you down when it's time for your session. And I'm like, but I want to learn from all these things. One guy got up, walked me outside. He goes, this guy is so bad. I don't want you to pick up any batteries. I'm not going to fake it, so you leave. I don't want you to do anything he's going to say up there. I don't want you to pick up anything. He's on his way out. Go take the owl. He's like, oh, I get it. Right now, when they say it that way, you get it. But sometimes they're, they don't have time to explain. Millionaires and billionaires don't have time to explain. They go, we just need you to leave. What you do is you go, okay. And they'll explain it later. Make sense? All right, so let's jump into this. Some of you guys are new. Some of you guys are not. So this morning we went over, just so, just so we're clear, we went over uh, your lobster story. 
we went over um, some of the different things on the real estate market, the current state of the market, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about what this group is about. And then this afternoon, we talked, sorry, we also talked about Airbnb. This afternoon, we're going to go finding deals in six minutes. I'm going to walk you through the building the relationship story on how somebody accepted an offer for 250000 said they did not want it, but they were happy at 235000 on an Airbnb property that generated over $60,000 a year. We'll walk you through that. But I want to just base this because some of you guys are stakeholders. Some of you guys are helping grow this part of the Atlanta market and nationwide as we do different things here. So you got Vegas online as well and uh, be able to do that. So this is a plan that I've been executing since 2005. Renaz has been doing this since 2011. Bob's been doing this with different companies. We're just going to talk about a couple different things here. Uh, we really focus on the five pillars of wealth. Got real estate, taxes, banking, business, and the education side of it. We don't have time to go through all five of these. I'm just going to give you guys a quick overview here on this. So you guys become familiar with this, and then you'll be able to come back for some different things. Now, everybody's here for different reasons, right? We agree on that? Okay, so how many people want to get into real estate investing for a better lifestyle, ability to travel, those types of things? Raise your hand just so I can see. All right. So uh, go ahead and put a D on a piece of paper for you. So this is, I run a team from New York City to Maui, Hawaii. Uh, we're right out there in Honolulu, Hawaii on a boat. We run some trainings off boats, um, different things like that as tax deductions. Some of you guys are here because you want to be part of a group and yeah. have opportunity to a community of investors, not only locally here, but nationwide. I would never guess that was one of the things that you're here. <laughs> based on our conversation here. How many people would want to be part of that group and have over 10,000 investors across the country and have access to that? All right, so put an R on a piece of paper for you for that, right? Um, and like we said, we do this all across the country in all different places, all different things. And then some of you guys are like, I need a better system, resources to be able to go ahead and do that. So if we can have you guys do flybys instead of drive-bys. Right. So we did save you time, energy, and effort, right? We know time is money, so we want to get smarter on that. So if that's how many people want a better system to do real estate. So go ahead, put an eye on a piece of paper for you on there. All right. So we'll show you how we can do our drive-bys, how we can do go ahead and do that. How many guys like to win trophies and get recognized for your hard work and success? Right. So a few of you guys on there. So put a V there. Uh the CEO here spends about $250,000 a year just on trophies <laughs> that we give out at our national conference. It takes about five to six hours of just trophy ceremony. We always hope to get done by midnight. Sometimes it's 1 a.m. Sometimes it's 2 a.m. And we start at like six with dinner, by the way. So it's not like we're starting late in the evening, but the ceremony usually starts around 7.30 or 8. And we hope to get done by midnight because of the amount of trophies and things he likes to give out, whether that's for making money or different things. How many guys don't care about any of those things and said, just show me the numbers and show me the proof. See, see the deals, okay? <laughs> Put an E on the piece of paper for you so you guys understand that. Why are you laughing at that part? Because I can't do that. You I can't do that, that. Yeah, but it's not you. Yeah. See, but we got to be able to relate to all the different people. 
Does everybody on here raise their hand for at least one thing? True? Or everything. So uh, you do have the ability, what we call an ICM, independent contract marketer, to go out and share the message on how to go ahead and do this. And there's a whole bunch of legalities and all those things, but just understand that you get paid for a service. Now, in full disclosure, um, right? We're not employees of the company. We don't do anything like that. And uh, all the different things are, are run through the organization. So we don't have the right to say anything. You don't have to purchase anything to work with us. We are not acting in any licensed capacity. So some people here might be attorneys, agents, those types of things, like I said. I recently became an agent, but I don't run around and show houses. I run teams. I've got uh, 16 people in five different states that I run around with. I can't actually say that anymore. I have to show a house tomorrow um, to somebody that just came in. So here's a funny story. Somebody's came in to stay at one of my Airbnbs and now wants to find an apartment. Is that a lead source? Yeah. There you go, right? So I'll go ahead and do that. Uh, but we're here for different reasons. So which one of those five is... You're, right, you're here for either to get access to more money, do more real estate deals, get your time back, gain knowledge, build those relationships. And some of you guys got to get out of debt so that you can start doing one of those. All right. Write down whichever one's the most important of those for you. It's going to be different. All right. And since this is an opportunity to go ahead and do things, you have to take action. We just sit around and wait for things to happen, right? We know it's not going to happen. And it's, we already went over, you guys missed all the red cars on the way in today <laughs> and all the opportunities that drove by you because you weren't paying attention and you didn't see them. So depending on where you are in this, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, you've seen this, you've got the employee, the J-O-B, you don't have a lot of control. You've got your, to being self-employed, anybody self-employed? Okay, you got your own business. It's good until you don't have enough work, right? And then we switch over to the business owner where we have employees that work for us that generate revenue. I am sitting here and I am generating revenue multiple ways. All right, I'll explain that to some of you guys this afternoon. And then we move down into the investor side where we're generating revenue off of that, right? The way you can be in multiple places at multiple times is to have the right team. I have somebody handling a check-in in Tampa, Florida today. I've got somebody making money for me in New York. I've got somebody making money in different places. At one point, I ran a team of 700 people around the United States. Is that okay with you? In one of my businesses. We now have people in uh, Bolivia. We now have people in Pakistan. No, not Pakistan. Indonesia, right? So people like that that are doing work while I'm able to do this. Oftentimes I sit in trainings like this and money hits my bank account. Would you like to be able to set those systems up for you? Yeah. Right. One of fact, we just had some books sold as we're sitting here. So the question is, what is the mindset? Right? What is the mindset? Assets versus liabilities. A lot of us grew up on this side, the poor mindset. If you save your money and spend it, save your money and spend it, save your money and spend it. Versus, hold on, I'll come back for you. Versus the wealthy mindset. And the wealthy mindset says, I use my money twice and then I spend it. That's how I get free things. How do I get a free car? 
How do I get all these things for free? I take the money that I make, I invest it into an asset, take the money from that asset, invest it into a business, take that money from there, and now it's free. I've used it twice to make me money. And that's the system that we want to put in place for you if you follow our systems. We've sort of gone through this on there already a little bit. So, right, that's before I told you the lobster story. Those are the things. You want to see more of these things, you can go to the, uh, the Instagram and Facebook there. You'll see the stuff from Africa. You'll see the volunteering we did over there. You'll see all those things. Uh, we do every type of real estate deal. But I didn't show you this morning is this, my very first book that I was a part of. Now, remember, I can't spell or do grammar, by the way. I am getting better. I got to change my burgers. I am getting better at spelling and grammar. I am learning, finally, in my 40s and 50s, how to spell and do grammar. Because I send out emails and people all the time are like, it used to take me eight hours to write an email to my team. They'd be like, oh, you got spelling mistakes in there. It's like, if I got spelling mistakes in there, you obviously figured out what the word meant. So this is a book called The Power of the Platform. About speaking from stage. Right? And in this book is Jack Canfield. Anybody know who Jack Canfield is? Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh, the Secret, all those things, right? Anybody know who Les Brown is? Yeah. Who's Les Brown? Brown. Amy Brown's son. Amy Brown's baby boy. <laughs> Who else? What's he known for? Speaking, Speaking training, training, right? Yeah. Those types of things. Les Brown gets 50000 to 300000 for 30-minute keynote speech. Anybody know who Brian Tracy is? Who's Brian Tracy? Okay, one of the top sales, real estate agent sales coaches in the country gets anywhere from ten dollars to $30,000 for one-on-one -on -one coaches. You know who Les Brown is, right? No? You know what he looks like? All right. So this is the front cover of the book. <laughs> yeah. Do you see Les Brown or Brian Tracy on the front cover of that book? No. Flip it over. Do you see them on the back cover? She said yes. She doesn't see them on the front cover, but they're on the back cover. So right now, now look, I told you how much money those two guys make. There's other people. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's 10 people on that front cover that don't make as much money as Les Brown or Brian Tracy. There's only one, Jack Canfield. So nine out of the ten. Okay. Why are they not on the front cover? They make more money than the people on the front cover right now. But back then, nobody knew who Les Brown and Brian Tracy were. So right now, you may be on the back cover of your life. You may not be where you want to be yet. You may not have that huge following that you want yet. You're learning those things. And if you work hard and you continue to do the things, take the, what I call CDA, consistent daily action leads to success. You continue to do that, you will end up on the front cover where they're getting fifty to $100,000 to speak for 30 minutes. They're getting $30,000 a one-on-one -on -one training session. 
you're getting all those opportunities, but you've got to start somewhere. So what I get with a lot of people when I show this, they're like, well, I don't have that, Hugh. Of course not. Or you might. But it's not where we are right now. It's where you're going to be. So we went through these earlier. We talked about the launch button, how I came out with that book in November of 2022. When I can't spell or do grammar, best-selling author. Third book. This is another book here with $100,000 real estate students, right? In uh, 2018, just pre-COVID, we had 144 students, made over $100,000 part-time. Okay, part-time income? Yeah. And I never know where that next superstar is going to come from, right? We never know where that person is going to come from, what their background is. They could be single. They could be divorced. They could be former military. They could be anything like that. It's a question of who's going to take that consistent daily action that leads to success. And then we'd like to have some fun. All right. You can see right here, there's Michael and Vanessa. Right in that photo, one of our parties out in Utah. We got the chance to help set the Guinness Book World Record for most basketball spinning on Liberty Island by the Statue of Liberty with the Harlem Globetrotters. Like we get to do all sorts of fun things. So reach out to the local people here to find out what your fun things are going to be. We're talking about real estate investing real fast and make it simple and easy. Just a general overview for you guys. I know we're coming up on lunch here in a few minutes. So let's just make it simple and easy. I'm going to teach you some real estate strategies. We don't have